What is that movie with Beyonce? Is it actually called Obsessed? Yeah, I I was going to say, is it like that? I feel like that's kind of campy too. You know that that's my favorite bad movie. I love that movie, you guys. If you have not seen Obsessed, oh my God, if you have not seen Obsessed, it stars Beyonce fucking Knowles when she was still trying to act. Came out to us. Idris Elba. Idris Elba, they're a married couple. And everything's hunky dory. They just moved into a new house. They have a baby. And then Allie Larder. You remember her? <laughs> Where's she been? Hello, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Feeling very refreshed after a weekend away. Oh, yes. You were in the the Big Apple. I was in New York. Oh, my God. (laughs) Why were you there? What did you do? What did you eat? Who did you see? Oh, my gosh. I was there for a friend's birthday. We did a lot of, like, tourism things um, because a few of us just, like, hadn't been to New York since we were, like, children. So we went to the Met. We um, we did a lot of shopping in Times Square. Um, and yeah, Jerry we ate. Upset about that. I know. <laughs> she was mad that you were gone. I know she was mad. <laughs> um, we ate some of the best Italian food I've ever had in my life, which well, is not course. an exaggeration. It was incredible. Sherry's really mad, which is upsetting because I, of course, watched her for Sunday evening. And clearly she was just thinking about you the whole time, which kind of hurts my feelings. But Mm. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) No, I'm sure she was happy to see you guys. Anyway, continue. Yeah, sorry. Um, It was an overall just a good time. Uh, I had really good Italian food. We went to a little uh, piano bar on Saturday night. Some random guy came up to us and asked if he could take photos of us in Times Square. So that was fun. Um, The pictures. Those photos were stunning. Yeah, they're really cool. It's actually funny. He so first he came up to me and he was like, "Oh my gosh, look!" Like he was like showing me his camera and he was like, "Oh, I was just like taking photos of you. You look so good. Like, let me take a few more. Like, do this, do this." So then I was like, oh, okay. And then so I started like doing the poses he asked me to do, whatever. And then he took some group shots of us. And then after we like, he gave me all the photos, I looked at them and I was like, I really believe this guy. And he was like, oh my God, look, you look so good. And he like briefly showed me the picture on his camera when I actually saw the picture that he was showing me. Let me show it to you because it's like so humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> It's like me, like closing, because you know how my eyes are. You know how my eyes are, where like I can't hold things too close or they like move away from each other. So I have to close one eye when I'm. So I was like trying to take a photo of what's in front of me. And so I had like one eye closed and then I was like moving my head back. So I made your double chin and he was like, oh my God, like you look so good. And I looked at it and I was like, ew, these photos will never see the light of day. But the group photo, I mean, he took other pictures of me that The group photos better. were stunning. Like, First of all, all of your outfits were absolutely, that outfit is so cute. Morgan's outfit was really cute. Like the beige yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. She had yeah. like a nice little beige with and black she had like a black high neck and abby's yeah. wearing her jacket but she had a cute like brown top on 
And those were taken at like one thirty in the morning. It was like one thirty a.m. Yeah, we were leaving the last bar. We were about to go back to our hotel, and then uh, Morgan was like, "Can we please, please, please go to Times Square?" I mean, Abby were like, "Oh, uh-huh. fine." <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Times Square. It was cute. Uh-huh. Yeah, overall fun time. Good trip. I'm glad you had a good time. Happy Thank birthday you. to Morgan. I don't know if she Happy listens birthday. or not, but yeah. Um, what did you do this weekend? Oh my God. Okay. So this is where, oh my God. this is where I go into my rambling about how oh Lord. house hunting is so hard. Mm. <laughs> um, so you guys, for those of you who don't know, Nick and I are moving in together. We absolutely, absolutely need a lease by May 1st. Cause that's when Nick's lease is over. I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world if for whatever reason we couldn't, because he could live with me because my lease isn't over until May 31st. Where would you put all his stuff? I don't know. I'm just saying it like it wouldn't, we wouldn't be on the street, but ideally, yes, we really would need a lease by May 1st. It would just make things a lot easier. And I really don't want to be looking for the next two months. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the scenario. And we want a house. We are both over apartments, like 100% over it. Uh, like today was a particularly taxing day in terms of just like house stuff for reasons I will describe in a moment. And then like on top of that today, I got an email saying that like two of our elevators were out and the apartment next to me, I didn't tell you this, but the fucking family moved out. Thank <gasps> God. Yes. But of course, when someone moves out, they have to prepare the apartment and the maintenance, mm. they don't give a fuck about noise because no. they've been banging and booping and bopping. <sighs> and so today I was just like, oh my God, I want to get out of here. So we want a house or a townhouse. We've actually been looking at lots of townhouses. And I actually kind of like the townhouse vibe because a lot of them are tall. So yeah. a lot of them are three. We've seen one that was four stories. And even if it's not like a big place i mean it's big by our standards like they're like 1800 1900 square feet it feels bigger because of that like separation of the stories yeah so literally like neighbor yeah and nick could be like on the fourth floor and i could be on like i could literally two floors down so um yeah but the thing is it's very competitive especially in this area like sure if i was in like I don't fucking know, like Richmond. It probably wouldn't be as competitive, but in the DMV area, uh, first of all, I don't know what's going on, but there's been like no Maryland listings. I mean, there's been a few, but they're in like Lanham or Landover, like way out there. There's only been like two in Silver Spring and we we haven't heard from either of those two. So surprisingly, every place we've toured so far has been in Virginia, actually. And also oh. Virginia, okay, you say oh, but um, it is insane how much more you can get for your money in Virginia than DC. We have, <laughs> actually, that's, why are you making that face? Because. <laughs> not Ely being elitist when she's going to be stuck in a studio apartment. No, not even that. I'm just thinking like, I'm not driving to Virginia. Okay, <laughs> guess what? You can take the blue line then, Okay. Or the yellow line. There are options. <laughs> That's closed. Okay. 
You're being Keep so going. Annoying. You're telling me that like when we have our beautiful little housewarming, oh you're not going to come. If remember when nights, I was first moving? Wait, remember when I was first moving here and I was apartment hunting and I was set on looking in Alexandria because I wanted something cheaper and you were like, nobody's going to come to Alexandria and visit. You should, you're better off just going to Maryland if you're going to be outside of DC, blah, blah, blah. All the same shit, boo. Hey, I was telling that telling you that for your benefit because you were coming to dc with me as your only friend so i was helping you try and meet people and be close to people you were going to meet does morgan live in alexandria no (laughs) so i was correct but (laughs) anyway no it's it's wild because there are places there's like two bedroom one bathroom 1100 square foot row homes in dc that are the same price as like a four-story 2000 square foot townhouse with a garage in virginia and it's not like deep i'm talking about like alexandria which is right across the river we saw this place yesterday uh it wasn't like our favorite but you could the huntington metro station was Mm -hmm. literally across the street and you could hop on that and be in old town in like five minutes and i don't know if you've been to old town you have been there haven't you yes it's really cute and there's lots to do so uh yeah but it's just been it's super competitive. I don't understand how people like if you're on Zillow, you should just filter by like places posted within a day because two, three days later, because Zillow shows you the amount of contacts and applications. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon to see like 30 contacts, uh, eight applications. It's like not even worth it. Cause of course these landlords, they're going to go with the first person who meets their requirements pretty much. It's kind of like a first come first serve. Very rarely is it different. Like we, we just put in an application for this place we saw on Sunday. And he said, I'm going to review all the applications on this one day, which was today. So that's kind of rare that they would like wait, mm. but it's just insane. So it's like this kind of this sense of urgency and rushing and rushing and always searching that's taken over our lives for the past. It, it's only been like six days. It's only been six days. It's taken over um, our lives. <laughs> dude, I'm not even kidding. Like you, if you want we want someplace we're going to really love living in because we're seeking a minimum two-year lease. We want mm-hmm. a place that will allow us to stretch our legs, but also isn't so expensive that we could start saving money because now it's like, realistically, we got to start thinking about wedding costs, house costs. Like there's lots of costs in the future. It's expensive to live. I know. There's lots of costs in the future that need to be saved up for. So it's like, you really have to just be like looking, looking, looking and seeing all the possible options to make sure you pick the best thing available to you. Um, and it's just, it's just wild. We've only applied to two. We got rejected from one today, which made me sad. That was Nick's favorite so far. My favorite, which is Nick's second favorite. We still have an application pending. Please cross all your fingers and toes for us because that place is actually amazing. That's one of the four story townhouses. Um, it's in a really peaceful area and it's just super nice. So anyway, fingers crossed and toes. That's basically what's been going on. Oh, and another thing that sucks is if, if you're not applying through Zillow, pretty much every application fee everywhere is $50 and that adds up and that's per person. That's That's, we we each have to do our own. So Nick and I basically spent a hundred dollars just applying for the place that we're still waiting to hear back from. That's so stupid. And then if they reject you, then it's like, all right, fuck me then. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't get the money back, obviously. Through Zillow, Zillow, so at least I will say it is nice because you pay $30 and 
and they have like a common application pretty much. And you can mm-hmm. use it for any place for 30 days. Oh, that's nice. So that's nice. But it's like, how many places let you apply through Zillow? So far, yeah. only one. And that's one of the ones we applied for. I got rejected. Yikes. So yikes, yikes, yikes. It's just a lot and lots of money involved, obviously. Pretty much like more than half my savings is going to be gone because unlike apartments where, you know, your security deposit is like maybe $500 or something. All these places want, it's the full rent for security deposit. And then of course I have to pay two rents for the month of May because of my lease situation. So it's very stressful. Wow. And I'm going to stop talking about it. And hopefully at the end of the day, we'll have a beautiful, lovely house that all of our friends, including Ely will come visit us at, maybe it won't be in Virginia. We'll see. Maybe it'll be, I don't think you know, <laughs> Fingers Georgetown crossed, or something. Probably Ooh, not, but <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's, it's also like, now that I've seen places with garages, I'm like, can we just rule street parking out? Because a garage would be so nice. You just roll up in your garage and then you open the door and you're in your house. That's so domesticated (sighs) of you. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for my domestic era. I am ready. Mm. I'm so ready to, I could enter tomorrow if I could. I know, I know. Anyway. Um, let's get into the actual meat of the, this episode. I'm not going to say it. I, I say it every single time I say then this might be a short it. one. Then don't it's say not it. A short one, but, you just said yeah, it. but I did. I said it without saying it. So let's talk about the first news item. So for those of you who don't know, CPAC, which is the Conservative Political Action Conference, it happens annually. It's basically at this point a far right uh, what's it called? An echo chamber. Yeah. Donald Trump spoke. This was the other day. And a bit of a concerning poll was conducted. And Trump won 62% of a poll that basically asked attendants, who would you like to see run in 2024? He won 62%. And Ron DeSantis won second place at 20 (laughs) percent now this is a little first of all wild um although i do i was listening to the young turks as i always do and they made a good point where he's doing this interesting thing where more so than his first term he's starting to realize that like populism like fake socialist populism is what's going to help him get back in the good graces of people who might have thought he was too far gone. So during his speech at CPAC, he was saying like, they want to take your social security. They want to raise the retirement age, which is 100% true. So it's like, he's not lying when he says those things, but, but it's complicated because the people that attend CPAC aren't necessarily indicative of the Republican base as a whole but still troubling because of course there's lots of people clearly that still support him and will come out for him and will vote for him in primaries, which will decide the Republican nominee. (laughs) So as much as, as much as the Republican establishment wants to push Ron DeSantis, I don't know. They should pay attention to these numbers maybe. Mm -mm. So should Democrats. Well, Ron DeSantis hasn't even announced that he's running yet. Has he? I don't know, dude. I don't think he has. (laughs) Part of me is like, does he even want to run? It feels like he's just being pushed. Probably not. Now. It's probably all the gossip people saying he he he's gonna run and he's just like, uh. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. 
But I thought that was wild, a little concerning. It would be absolutely wild to me if Donald Trump got the nomination. It would be wild would after be wild. all that's happened. Two impeachments, an insurrection. See, this is another reason why, like, please, someone convict his ass. Please. You have wouldn't a that... year. You and if year. anything, all the Republicans in Congress that hate him, like, wouldn't it have been to their benefit to actually have convicted him um, after this, after either, uh, after really hey. after the second um, impeachment? I mean, maybe, but they also know that if they were to do that, all the millions of people, and it is millions of people that still support Trump, like he's the Messiah, are going to take note of that and they won't vote for them in the future because everyone just mm -hmm. cares about protecting themselves. So, especially Republicans, they don't care about the greater good. They don't care oh, about that. I guess they don't. Uh, and Democrats don't either, really. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Let's move on to another <laughs> concerning Republican who should be removed <laughs> from office, George Santos. You know, this came out today and I thought it was funny as hell. So we have another lie, more <laughs> deception. <laughs> so eight plus years ago in the summer of 2014, George Santos was in Queens housing court because of unpaid rent. He was living <gasps> in an apartment yes. with his mother and apparently carousel of different roommates and he owed more than $5,000 rent to landlord and was served eviction notices and eventually evicted from the apartment. And it's it's funny because uh, he, was, he said, I really need to get back inside so that I can feed my fish. He's like, please let me feed my fish and get my belongings. Because when you're evicted, like you are locked They just out kick you house. out, yeah. yeah. He's like, I need to feed my fish. I have a big fish tank. This is based on... um. <laughs> uh, audio recordings from the hearing by the way oh my and God. i love the article because it said as with so many of his statements there is cause for doubt one of his <laughs> former friends who also lived in the apartment for a time being said that he had no recollection of a fish tank let alone a large fish tank and oh this this man his last name is Rovello. he said that's a lie too. He's a pathological liar. I was just going to say, it seems like this guy's literally a pathological, like he just gets excitement from telling different lies. Yeah. So apparently there was no fish. Again, something fishy <laughs> is afoot. Uh, that's not the first time I made this pun. He said, I need to feed my fish. Yeah. But it's interesting too, because this story was in the, uh, the Gothamist. And they were reminding people that George Santos was running on this pot platform of personal responsibility. And yet he couldn't even pay his rent. And he also, of course, as we know, he lied about businesses he was starting. And so in the audio recordings, when he's saying to the court uh, or when they're asking him, how do you plan on paying the rent? He's like, oh, I have multiple businesses, multiple investments. It's going <laughs> to work out. And yeah, apparently it did work out because now he's a congressman. Still, I don't understand why nothing's being done about this. I'm and he's thinking, on committees. Like, for anyone that's like, hmm, could I ever run for office? This is just proof that you can and you could win. There's Mark my words. There's going to be, I feel like George Santos is the next Elizabeth Holmes in terms of a figure that people want to make movies and TV shows out of. There's going to be... Like, you know, the dropout HBO Max TV yeah, show It's going to be yeah. like a dropout esque show about George Santos one day. The candidate. 
the liar, <laughs> the clown. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's all I have. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, I have a pretty short music section, if I'm being 100% honest. There oh. wasn't a lot that happened this week. I mean, the Billboard Women in Music Awards happened. And so that really took up like most of the space in the music industry so why isn't that here are you anti-woman uh, no <laughs> it's not nothing like you, we already talked about everything that happened the awards are announced ahead of time the ceremony oh, happened that, i wasn't the, invited oh you're talking about the chart breaker uh, hit yeah, maker they had the ceremony yeah. on march 1st oh okay gotcha it looked really good though i'll say that she looks stunning yeah. um yeah she's so cute okay um, speaking of SZA, great segue. Um, Carol G's new album, Manana Será Bonito. Ooh. Yeah, debuted at number one on that Billboard 200, which knocked SZA's album off the top spot for the first time in like 10 weeks. Never heard of Carol G. Oh. Have you? Yeah, I've heard of her. I wouldn't say I'm like a listener of her music, but I've heard the name. I know about Becky G, the Power mm. Ranger. <laughs> That's the power range. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that. And then <laughs> <laughs> the other piece of I'm gonna put news in air quotes because none of this is really news. I was just really fetching for something to say. <laughs> um, the weekend and Ariana Grande's Die for You remix skyrockets to number one on the hot one hundred after a record breaking streaming debut. Wow. <laughs> Now, see you guys, if I, we're about to get into entertainment and there were two things that came out today that like saved me in terms of the outline. But I feel like if those things didn't happen, we could have easily just had a pop culture episode because I was going to say, well, it was slow. the pop culture shit this week, it's it's juicy. Yeah, because I got I, a lot of stuff. Yeah, because I think yesterday I texted you and I was like, dude, what are we going to talk about? And you were like, aha, I have stuff to talk about. I got stuff. It's been a weekend. <laughs> Is it entertainment time? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So first I wanted to talk about Ben Zosmer does this annual thing in the Hollywood Reporter, which is predicting the year's Oscar winners using math. So he has like a <sighs> model that he uses to predict the um, the probability of the winners in almost every category. He doesn't do the... Um, the shorts categories, but he does the other 20 categories. And it's a pretty reputable report. In fact, last year, he correctly predicted 19 out of the 20 categories that oh he God. reported on. Um, so it's kind of an interesting little thing to look forward to. And this is the 12th year that he's done it. So I just wanted to go through them because obviously, you know, reputable. Oh now again, God. This is, I, I don't, it doesn't really get into the specific about the model, the mathematical model that he uses, but it's based on various data points and it takes into consideration other awards that have been won on the circuit. Um, and it comes up with a percentage, which is the likelihood that something will win in the category out of a hundred percent. So let's start with best picture. Everything everywhere absolutely demolishes the competition with a 68.1% chance of winning best picture. Second place is Banshees with 8.9%. So very exciting. 
Best Director, the Daniels have a 59% chance of winning. Second is Martin McDonough at 13.7%. So again, Daniels look like they're smashing it. Very exciting. Yeah. Best Actor is interesting because apparently- yeah, this is shocking. Mathematically, Austin Butler is the most probable to win at 41%. And then second is Brendan Fraser at 33. We know it's a tight competition between the two of them. Mm-hmm. so we shall see and and ben zosmer does he does clarify that like this obviously isn't a sure thing despite what the data says so this definitely is still the most exciting ceremony in a while because there's yeah. so many toss it's very competitive this year yeah now this was interesting and a little bit disheartening kate blanchett has the highest probability of winning best actress at 52.9 percent, and michelle yeah. yo is only 26.3 and even Ben Zosmer, he said, my jaw hit the floor when I saw my computer produce these numbers just because he thought that it would be a lot closer because everyone's yeah. saying like, this is the closest best actress race in a really long time. So it's interesting that there's that many percentage points separating them, but I still think Michelle can take it. Okay. She won the SAG, which was very like, that was encouraging. So interesting. I guess I didn't realize that Kate Blanchett has won at the BAFTAs, Critics' Choice and Golden Globes. Yes. I don't know why I didn't realize. I didn't. Well, Golden Globes, it's easy to forget. Sometimes I forget that they have comedy and drama categories. Oh. So Michelle also won a Golden okay. Globe. Okay. I was going to say, I feel like Michelle's been winning, but okay. Yeah. And also remember, Kate's been almost every single speech, she's been like, we shouldn't have awards. Awards are. Yeah. It's like, okay, sister. It's like, all right. Stop. Then <laughs> we won't give you an award. <laughs> uh, best supporting actor, of course, Kihoi Kwan oh, is leading with. King. 79%. So yeah. And second is Barry Keoghan with 10%. Key's 100% winning. If you have money and you want to bet it, bet it on Kihoi Kwan. Yeah, you really win. should. Uh, another interesting one, best supporting actress, Angela Bassett is listed as having higher probability here with 30 or almost 40%. And then Jamie Lee's at 27%. So All we'll right. see another interesting race. Yeah. And then... There's nothing really else I want to get into except for animated feature, which is like the absolute surest bet because Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has an 88.5% <laughs> chance of winning. And Marcel Shell is second place with 4.9%. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, so that is the highest probability, even higher than Key winning for Best Supporting Actor. Interesting. So the Oscars are this Sunday. So excited. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to watch this ceremony uh and of course we'll be talking about it next week are you going to be watching with us yes of course i didn't get my invite to the party yet but i heard Mm -hmm. erica might come too oh okay you love her a little a real little party last year was just three of us (laughs) no a little party yeah (laughs) anyway let's move on another statistic story so a new survey of the top 100 grossing domestic releases of last year 2022 found that women only accounted for 33 percent of protagonists that represents only a two percent increase from 2021 which i guess is progress this report by the way was done by the center for the study of women in television and film at san diego state university they do this every year Hmm. there's lots of data points here so i'm going to try and and keep it in check 
So women accounted for 37% of all speaking characters in 2022, which is up 3% from 2021. But men had 63% of speaking roles and 0.1, again, 0.1% of speaking characters were trans. And one character was (laughs) non-binary. Oh, one character. It was so low. They didn't even have to put it into a percentage. Yeah. A whopping 80% of films featured more male than female characters, and only 11% of those films had more female than male characters. 9% of these films featured equal numbers. Hmm. And of those female characters, 64% were white, 18% were black, 7% were Latina, and 8% were Asian. Some other interesting thing. I just think this is a really interesting report, Hmm. and it shows you how, like, even if it seems... Hollywood's getting better and it has like obviously if you did this report 10 years ago right I would actually be curious to look that up but <laughs> um so a larger percentage of male characters 84% of them had an identifiable job and female characters only 68% of them had an identifiable job oh that's interesting women were also women in movies of course were also more likely to reveal whether they had a husband or a wife 46% of female characters had an identifiable merit, marital status and only 36% of male characters had that. Hmm. And then lastly, age, of course. Yeah. Um, on a whole, women in film were younger than men in film. <sighs> um, 36% of female characters were in their 30s. Only 14% were in their 40s. Uh, this percentage is actually lower than they cited 2015 randomly. Apparently in 2015, 20% of female characters were in their forties and only 7% of female characters were over 60 and Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Wong is one of them. So mm. period. Period. But yeah. Interesting report. Yeah. Very interesting. Men. <laughs> Ugh, I know. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Except for Kiko Kwan. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he can talk. Everyone else, shut up. He can talk. <laughs> but really, okay. though, it's like, how do y'all not get bored from just watching the same white men? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Preach, you're funny. Okay. Well, lastly, I want to talk about a trailer that does not involve white men. Mm. at all actually well seth rogan is right here well yes but you know who it does involve a couple of animated turtles so i don't (laughs) woo woo indeed i don't really have a connection to teenage mutant ninja turtles oh yeah like not really like i know i thought you would have been one of those one of those kids that like teenage mutant ninja turtles i did watch the the animated show when i was Mm. a kid but like, mm-hmm. you know, they've had multiple movies. They have. Yeah. But there's another one coming. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Mayhem. I like title. that. I love that. And um, Seth Rogen, like you said, is a producer. I feel like Seth Rogen's actually a great producer. He produces he the is. Boys, He's of been course. doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, did you watch this trailer? Have you seen anything about it? Um, I saw like the announcement for like all of the cast, but I didn't actually watch the trailer. Okay, so the reason why I'm talking Ooh. about this is because, yeah, we have another entry into the genre of animation that Spider-Verse kind of created. I, I like this animation style. Yeah, so, like, if you've seen Spider-Verse, if you've seen Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, even Mitchell's versus the Machines, there's this new uh, trend of, like, 
illustrative 3D animation where they take frames out and it I think it looks really it. cool. It looks, it looks so really good. cool. Looks um so, good. so that's what this film is doing. But this is actually I think pushing it the hardest because it's very like I don't know how to explain it. It's it's much more like rugged and imperfect. Like you should watch the trailer. It looks really, really cool. And see, this is a good example of like, I want to see this movie now just because of the way it looks. Mm. And um, also another interesting point to note is that of course, a segment of the internet got up in arms when it was revealed that April O'Neil is black in this movie. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. A word of note for you ignorant people all the way back in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, it wasn't originally in a, a comic before it was anything else. April O'Neil was black and she was whitewashed for the animated show and all the movies henceforth thereafter. So actually Ooh. we're bringing April O'Neil back to her roots. Thank you very much. You tell them, Zach. Yeah. You no, I just tell think, them. I just think that's so stupid. Like I saw a story about that and I'm like, oh my God, people are so fucking dumb. They don't even look things up. Right. They don't even know the source material. Yeah. Tell me you're not an OG fan without telling me you're not an OG no, fan. Exactly. Pretty much. Ugh. And people were trying to argue because some of the original comics are black and white and they were arguing like, oh, stop. Like, oh, oh, my God. God. Shut up. Also, like, who cares? <laughs> yes. Characters like this, their race does not matter. Their race has no impact on like exactly. their character story. So who gives a shit? Shut up. Exactly. Very dumb. I hate the discourse sometimes. <laughs> God. That's all I have for entertainment. <laughs> all right well you're ready to dive into our like heavy heavy um pop culture yeah. section this week yeah okay. all right so this is actually kind of a somber note to start off with oh. so sorry to bring the mood down but we will bring <laughs> it right back up afterwards um okay so vanessa bryant who's kobe bryant's widow has accepted a final, final, final $28.5 million settlement from Los Angeles County over the graphic photos that their officials took of Kobe and Gigi Bryan's remains at the helicopter site. So if you didn't know, if you've been living under a rock, uh, NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, passed away in a helicopter crash in January of 2020. So basically what happened was his wife... Um, Vanessa sued Los Angeles Sheriff's Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department for negligence and invasion of privacy in September of 2020 over accusations that the first responders took pictures from on their cell phones of the <gasps> deadly crash remain like the, the, the crash site um, and shared those images um, with people not related to the investigation. Oh, my God. So, um, like I just said, Kobe and his daughter, Gigi, along with seven other passengers aboard the helicopter, had been on their way to a girls' basketball tournament, and the their helicopter crashed into a hillside due to bad weather, which killed everyone on board. In the lawsuit, at least eight Los Angeles County employees were accused of taking graphic and closely cropped pictures of the deceased victims' bodies with their personal cell phones before circulating the images among colleagues, family members, and in one instance, members of the public. Um, the court battle commenced on August 2022, with several of the officials actually testifying before Vanessa herself, who was in attendance, um, 
And so I guess like the argument, uh, former Los Angeles Fire Department captain and safety officer Brian Jordan that was present at the wreckage um, alleged in his testimony that he took 25 to 30 images of the deceased under instruction of his superior fire chief, Anthony Marone. Anthony Marone has denied that claim. And jurors were also presented with footage depicting another one of the accused officials, Sheriff's Deputy Joey Cruz, who allegedly was showing pictures of Kobe's decapitated body to people at a bar in California just two days after the crash. Which is awful. It honestly made me sick reading this. Um, But during her testimony, Vanessa Bryant said that she would be willing to go to hell and back to get justice for her family, saying that she's haunted by the prospect of these photos ever resurfacing online. So Vanessa Bryant got in her bag for this. And honestly, she really deserves that shit because that is fucked up. It's one thing to take pictures. It's another thing to send them to To people. What kind of sick fuck is like... Hey, look at this. Look at this dead body. body. Who would do that? Psychos. And there there were children on board. There are multiple. I think Gigi and one other girl were victims in this crowd. Yeah. That's disgusting. I just don't under. I don't understand that at all. Like, that's disgusting. Um, Also, the fact that people mm. would think they could do something like that in public and not face consequences for it later. Like, did you think Vanessa Bryant wasn't going to come for your ass? Yeah, I almost feel like they should have gotten like prison time for that or something. Yeah, no, that's, that's just such a violation. And again, what's the running theme on this podcast when we talk about bad shit? Just this lack of empathy. Seriously. I, it's a real problem, I think. I don't These are people it. that died and then their families. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand it. Yeah, so I'm glad like Vanessa's you- getting her money. When you were starting the story, I thought you were going to say that like they wanted to sell the pictures to like an outlet or something, which I would still think is disgusting, but at least that would make sense. But I would have never expected you to say they sent them to their family and friends. That's just really fucked up. And then show people at a bar, which also the other yeah, thing the is, thing I don't know if you up. know this, but something like that kind of happened. Vanessa Bryant found out about this crash because TMZ reported it. Really? She didn't find out. From she didn't know that her husband and her daughter died like yeah she found out because tmz reported it i feel bad for her she's obviously been through a lot and no amount of money will probably heal those wounds so no it's really awful but at least she has a little something a little reassurance too that this won't happen hopefully yeah whatever all right Taking a radical left turn here. (laughs) Not radical left. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about Tom Sandoval. (laughs) Okay, so I apologize to anybody who doesn't watch Vanderpump Rules. I really don't watch Vanderpump Rules, but this story has literally been on Twitter, on Instagram. I've been seeing it. I couldn't not talk about it. So Okay, I haven't heard about this, and this is actually kind of devastating to me because... Him and Ari, he's he was still with Ariana, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that they were really cute together. Okay, if you're not going to watch Vanderpump Rules, you guys, if you do have an interest in watching some sort of stupid reality show, highly recommend you watch at least the first two seasons because that is mint reality television. <laughs> it is great, especially season two. Oh my God, season two I feel is like so the concept good. of it in itself just 
tells you that it's going to be like mint reality TV because yes. it's like at its very at its core, it's a very stupid concept. Like, who are these people? <laughs> yes. Who cares? But it's like when you watch it, then you're like, oh, you become invested. <laughs> See, that's why that's why I don't recommend like maybe season three, but I don't recommend watching past three because at that point, it's like they're famous from the show, so it doesn't feel well, real right. anymore. Right. Seasons one and two felt real because they were just still struggling actors and servers at Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant. Yeah, so but... that's the premise of the show. It follows <laughs> yeah. a group of people that work at Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant and they're just, yeah, and the drama that ensues, I guess, <laughs> from that. <laughs> also, the theme song is incredible. Oh I, I would never skip it. <laughs> anyway, tell us what happened. Okay, so I put on here, bro, I don't even know where to start because I, once <laughs> I started doing my investigative research, it just was like one thing after another. And then on top of that, I was like, oh my God. So I'm really just paraphrasing here. There's a lot of people involved in this. Some people who I was like, who is that? I don't know who that is, you know? So <laughs> if you want to know more, you could seek out more, but this is just the basic of the details, okay? I see. So after nine years of dating, Vanderpump Rules stars Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox are no more after an alleged cheating scandal no. with Vanderpump Rules co-star Raquel, which apparently her name is Rachel, so I'm going to refer to her as Rachel. <clears throat> Levis, Levice? I don't know. Do you know who that is? No. Okay. She I wasn't on the seasons I watched. We're just gonna call her Rachel. Um it <laughs> this can't is for wait, Rachel, this... you big <laughs> <laughs> Well wait, so this the cheating scandal came to light because apparently Ariana found an explicit video Ooh. of Rachel on Tom's phone literally a few days ago, like March 1st. So um, that happened. And apparently this affair has been going on since the summertime, summer of 2022. So mm -hmm. it's been a long time, which is really upsetting for Ariana. Um, but apparently the Vanderpump Rules producers are eating this shit up and they are they're capturing the aftermath and the fallout of this to air on this season of Vanderpump Rules. So honestly, it's wild to me that that show is still on. I know. And that's the <laughs> what other thing season too. I was like, it? these people are too old to be acting like this. <laughs> Wait. I, oh my God. I just saw the last Wait, line of the first I paragraph. Google. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Let me see how old Tom, Tom is. Cause now I'm really curious. I mean, I guess there's no age to stupidity. Now, hold on. What? This man at his big ass <laughs> age, this man is 39 years old. Ah. <laughs> Has not proposed to his girlfriend of nine years and is out here with explicit videos of a colleague on his phone. Lest that we just forget... goes to show men do not get better with age. <laughs> Lest we forget, the main plot point of season two was: Did Kristen cheat on Tom, or did she not? Did Tom, or did Tom? Did wasn't Tom cheating on her? No, I think it was it was Kristen, and he got all upset and said, "Kristen, you need to move out." Went and they broke up so learn nothing apparently so okay yeah let me keep going through the story so all this is happening and they're apparently recording the reunion episode for the season in two weeks that's so intense that's gonna be two weeks. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, so now I'm going to do a little dramatic reading of Tom's apology <laughs> statement that he posted okay. on Instagram, okay? I can't wait. So if for context, um, there's another Tom on Vanderpump Rules named Tom Schwartz, who he refers to a few times in this apology statement. Um, 
And I'm Swartz is a fucking loser. He's involved, but the <laughs> two of them are business partners. They have multiple business ventures. Of course I they guess. do. All right, let me read this. Let me read this. I love how Shuri, Shuri is like, let me leave. Shuri's like, what did he say? All right. <laughs> hey, I fully understand and deserve your anger and disappointment towards me, but please leave Schwartz, my friends, and family out of this situation. Dot, dot, dot. Schwartz specifically only found out about this very recently and most definitely did not condone my actions. This was a very personal thing. Also, Schwartz and Sandy's might have my name on it, but also there are three other partners and 20 employees who especially rely on the restaurant for income and their families. Just like Tom Tom, I am a small part of a much bigger thing. Please direct your anger towards me and not them. They did nothing wrong. I'm so sorry that my partners, Greg, Brett, and Schwartz, and our employees have to suffer for my actions. I will be taking a step back and taking a hiatus out of respect for my employees and partners. I need some time to address everything else. Sorry for everything. The, the lengths that the man went through to apologize and protect his employees, he did not mention his girlfriend's name the way once. he did not say oh my god ariana i am so sorry i i'm so sorry for wasting 10 years of your life yeah the way he, he didn't said, say the word cheating he went out affair. of his way to say um out of respect for my employees and partners and then he said uh where did he what did he say I'm so sorry that my partners, Greg, Brett, and Schwartz. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. I think I'm pretty sure Ariana has like deactivated all of her social media accounts, oh. which, but good for her. She doesn't deserve to see that shit. Who's the next Ariana that's going to deactivate their social media? <laughs> I don't know. Remember so the bows? Maybe. she already is, did is grande next <laughs> maybe um okay though i'm i'm surprisingly still not done with this story oh wow okay so that apology happened but going on to the other side rachel has been experiencing some other issues since this all came to light apparently her pr reps have dropped her after uncovering some inconsistencies in her side of the story i don't really know exactly what those details are this came from like a dumois blind but she like removed her PR email from her Instagram bio. So people are assuming that means that her PR firm dropped her. Oh. And then also her parents have lawyered up because they're trying to see if Ariana, like sending that explicit video of Rachel that she found on Tom's phone, like to herself to use as like proof that he was cheating is technically considered revenge porn. Uh. I don't know. And apparently the video was taken without rachel's consent i also don't know the details around that i feel like this is also where other people from the show are involved but i'm not 100 sure so y'all mm. might need to look it up because i don't know but these are all the details i'm offering mm. um so yeah that's that that's one hefty story we have <laughs> that's not even the heftiest story i have for the day no i know i'm okay. i'm actually i the next thing you're going to talk about I dabbled in putting it in entertainment because it is revolving a show, but I'm glad that you picked it up for pop culture. Also, I don't know. I, I haven't read everything you've typed down, but I don't think we should get into detail about the specific scenes 
that Sam Levinson wanted to. I don't think we should describe them. It's it's very explicit. You can we'll find say the story. Explicit, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, okay. So let me just talk about the the story. Okay, so there's this show that HBO is doing called The Idol, starring The Weeknd and Lily Rose Depp. Aspects of the plot have been really kept under wraps, but basically the idea is that it's like. Lily Rose Depp's character is like a pop star who has a relationship with some like LA cult leader that is the weekend. That's really all we know. So Rolling Stone just did a big expose article on this show featuring quotes from like 13 different um, cast and crew members who were willing to go off, not completely on record, but were willing to share some, a little bit about their experience. And the weekend responded with, very weirdly and then his response then led to this blind from Dumois that I people are saying had to have been sent in by Dan Levy himself because it was just so (laughs) I'll read it in a little bit but let me get into the the story so from a little bit more background the show was announced in November of 2021 and the series is co-created by The Weeknd his producing partner uh Reza Fahim and Euphoria creator Sam Levinson Amy Semitz, who was directing the Girlfriend Experience and some of Atlanta was attached to the show to be the director. So then I guess after some time, they ousted Amy Semitz. I hope I'm saying her name right. It's 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 Simons. Simons. Sorry. She was ousted basically by the weekend because he wasn't happy with the, quote, female perspective that centered Lily Rose Depp's character. And he called for reshoots. So basically after they kicked Amy out. They brought Sam Levinson in as the director. And I mean, the weekend has the power to do this because he's one of the creators of the shows. So then fast forward to like earlier this week, I think, or this was like last week, late last week. Um, Rolling Stone dropped this story based on, like I said, 13 interviews from cast and crew members detailing a tumultuous creative process and questionable rewrites. Somebody said, quote, it was like any rape fantasy that any toxic man would have in the show. And then the woman comes back for more because she ma- it makes her music better. That's what they said about Sam Levinson's vision of the mm-hmm. show. And then somebody said it was like the weekend wanted one show that was all about him. And Sam was on board with all of that. And then people were saying that like a lot of the re- rewrites included extremely like violent sexual scenarios um we won't get into detail but it's basically torture porn i guess you could call it um very weird um i'm people were saying like there was basically no point to the things that they were rewriting they just wanted to see how much of a reaction they could get so that was all that rolling stones came out with okay rolling stone sorry (laughs) And then The weekend responded to this report by tweeting a scene from the show with the caption at Rolling Stone, did we upset you? And the clip is basically of um, The weekend and Lily Rose Depp talking to a character played by Dan Levy, where Dan Levy, who's possibly portraying like a publicist or an agent or something, is trying to get Lily Rose Depp's character to be featured on a rolling in a Rolling Stone cover story. Then the weekend and Lily Rose Depp start like shitting on Rolling Stone, saying the magazine is irrelevant, past its prime. Like the whole scene is them just saying, like, no, we're not going to do that because mm-hmm. Rolling Stone sucks. 
So that was the scene the weekend tweeted. People had like mixed reactions to it. It was kind of like, did you even, did you see what the things that they're accusing you of? And like, this is your response? Kind of weird. I think it's a horrible response. And it like automatically makes me think lesser of the weekend. Yeah. It makes it seem like you're making light of the whole thing. Like you are the co-creator of the show. And people were saying that like, a lot of people left the show because they felt like they were, they were just like really uncomfortable and like, there was some abuse going on on set. So people were just like not enjoying being on the project. And his mm-hmm. response was like, oh, did we upset you? Like, yeah, very weird and childish response. Um, So then today or yesterday, um, which this blind might have been posted a few days ago, but um, I saw it on my feed yesterday. Um, Somebody sent in this blind item to Dumois that was very obviously about Dan Levy. So they said... The Canadian multi-hyphenate who quietly and professionally buzzed in and out for over two days to film for what he thought was a small bit (laughs) was a small bit part to help out his HBO bosses has been increasingly angry about the chaotic mess that has come out about the show and its misogynistic tone. With no advanced scripts and being hired late, he was left hanging on top of him being wrapped when the worst of it was quote unquote reimagined by the director and creator slash lead. He was smartly not tagged in the trolling IG post, considering he carried that scene on his back compared to the two leads. <laughs> so people funny. in the comments were like, did Dan Levy send this in himself? <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah. So basically, he's pretty upset about the direction that they took the show in after he had finished filming his part and that like he's obviously embarrassed to be a part of this. Um so we'll see what else unfolds. I don't know when this show is supposed to come out, but um, nobody knows. It's it was not supposed to come out them. a while ago. Yeah, it's not looking good for them. Honestly, I'm, they should throw it away. <laughs> I'm surprised HBO hasn't said anything. Yet. They have. So they, oh, they have, have released a statement. I don't. I don't know if they. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can find something really quickly. Yeah, I didn't hear anything. But. No, I saw there was a link to their statement on this article. Sure, he's like, they're oh, better. Sure, he said they're better. Have been a response from HBO. So okay, this was updated on March first. The headline is, oh my god, these fucking ads on these oh. websites are driving me nuts. Capitalism. I know. The headline is HBO admitted initial production on the idol did not meet its standards and doubled down on a safe working environment following allegations against Sam Levinson and the weekend. Mm. But they're standing by the TV show. It seems like interesting. The creators and producers of the idol have been working hard to create one of HBO's most exciting and provocative original programs. The initial approach on the show and production of the early episodes, unfortunately, did not meet HBO standards. So we chose to make a change. That's what they're saying. Throughout Mm -hmm. the process, the creative team has been committed to creating a safe, collaborative and mutually respectful working environment. And last year, the team made creative changes they felt were in the best interest of both the production and the cast and crew. We look forward to sharing the idol with audiences soon. You know, what's the most interesting part of this? So Sam Levinson is obviously renowned for creating Euphoria and Euphoria season three is scheduled to film later this year. 
And on top of that, I don't know if you heard, but our favorite person on earth, Zendaya, recently was able to negotiate a new contract for that show oh. where she's going to be getting a million dollars an episode. million dollars an episode. For Euphoria. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because it's like, <laughs> I don't know. If I were Zendaya, of course, Zendaya is very successful. She will have work probably for the rest of her life unless something goes wrong. But if I was in day, I would consider walking away, but it's like, can she walk away when she literally like, it was like less than two weeks ago. She just yeah. re-signed for all this I money. Know. And uh, it's I just know. an interesting situation. Personally, I agree with you. I feel like it would be a smart business decision for her to stop making, stop doing projects with Sam Levinson because she's done multiple projects with him. I do not like Sam. Lev I mean, I don't know him personally, but like, I do not like Sam Levinson he is just it's very icky to me that he's that he makes this tv show where people are pretending to be high schoolers and it, it's so sexually explicit i didn't have sex like that in high school <laughs> i i don't know anybody that did it very much feels like it's it's just weird and then i just don't feel comfortable with him doing that netflix movie with zendaya and um oh john david washington yeah Malcolm as a Marie. white man yeah, yeah like that was weird what are you doing so i feel like it would be in her best interest to stop doing things with him um you know we know zendaya is a fashion icon she has such a bright future like she will continue to get work even after euphoria so it's like yeah it's tough let's wrap this up Can i we think cancel sam levinson i think it's tough i know exactly what happened sam levinson is one of those people where he just, I mean, of course, he's a Nepo baby. His father is Barry Levinson, famous Hollywood director. Um, but it just so happens that his first project, Euphoria season one, was his first project? I think it was. Um, it blew up and it was very successful artistically and commercially. And I think he let that get to his head. And he yeah, made and it's like he made season two. And, and yeah. I mean, season one, I, I I really love season one. Um, and I think season two suffered because of weird choices he made. And of course, I think he also made some really brilliant moving artistic choices, but I can't condone like what's happening with the idol. And then I don't know, like some of the things Sydney Sweeney was saying too. Um, where she had to literally speak up and say, like, I don't think I have to be topless for this. Scene. Right. That's Red flags. Icky. Red yeah. flags. Um, but it would be funny because if Zendaya found a way, again, I don't know if contractually she's able to, but if she found a way to exit Euphoria, that would wreck the show. That would be right. What that would, would the be, show be that would rock the industry. Cause then it's like, what is that saying? It, I, yeah, I don't I just think it would wreck it creatively because. Zendaya, well, she's like, the narrator she's the narrator and she's like the most compelling character by a country mile on that show especially after jules had nothing to do last season yeah so she's like the reason to watch and of course she's an emmy winner twice over for that performance so if she left i think that show would be done which would make me yeah. a little bit sad but also like if it means sam levinson wouldn't get a paycheck i guess i would i would get over it <laughs> yeah i don't know dude the stuff that's coming out about him i'm like are you okay yeah does he need therapy <laughs> i mean i think uh all men need therapy but 
All people probably need therapy. Let's be honest. I need therapy. <laughs> you can say men. It's okay. <laughs> but men specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's happening. Um, we'll keep you updated, I guess. <laughs> All right. This is my last hefty story of the evening. It's a update. The latest on the Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez drama. Um. Okay, so this is what's happened. Justin Bieber is not overcoming these I hate my wife allegations. Um, He turned 29 on March 1st, which is actually kind of crazy to think about because like Justin Bieber's old. That means I'm getting old. How do you think I feel? <laughs> yeah, old as fuck, bro. Justin Bieber is almost 30. And I remember when he was a little BB. That's what I'm saying. Like I was a fan. I was a a fan from when one time came out on Radio Disney. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's Buck okay. So yeah, Justin Bieber turned 29 this this month, this week. Um, and Haley, of course, his loving, adoring wife, posted a series of photos of the two of them to wish him a happy birthday. He didn't like her post, which <laughs> I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> like people are shitting on your wife on the internet and saying that you don't like her and you can't even like her Instagram post. That's fucked up. <laughs> but then on top of that, he hosted a big birthday party with all his friends. Um, you know, lots of good fun times. He posted like three Instagram posts worth of photos from the party. Only oh. two of the photos that he posted had uh, pictures of Haley Bieber in them. One of them was one where she was just like walking by the frame and he was like talking to someone else. And the other one is like, her trying to hug him and he's kind of like doing one of these like looking off to the oh. side he's not smiling weird vibes um but then at the party he gave out like these fancy cowboy lighters as like a party favor and the lighters had a quote on them that said i'm so grateful that i didn't end up with what i thought i wanted that's weird why would you say that <laughs> i know so that happened and on top of that, Selena Gomez is back on TikTok. She made a return in a like cute little video where she looks absolutely stunning. Selena Gomez is beautiful. Um, and she said, thank you to you or thank you and love you all so much. I'm deeply grateful for each and every one of you humans. You make me unbelievably happy. And then she said, please, please be kinder and consider the mental health of others. My heart has been heavy and I only want good for everyone. And then she put like the prayer hands emoji. Hmm. So that's the update, y'all. I don't really have anything else. Again, I really don't think that there's drama between like drama actually in these groups of people. I think Selena Gomez just doesn't like Haley Bieber and that's fine. That's not drama. That's just some people don't like people. I have an update. Because <gasps> you have an update? Since... Since last week, I have gotten probably, I would say a half dozen TikToks. Uh, it's all over. What I would say, like, not even conspiracy, just like TikToks comparing clips. Oh, how of, Haley copies Selena Gomez? Yes. And honestly, at this point, I believe it. <laughs> like, oh, I, I believe mean, I that believe Haley it. specifically is like, I'm going to, not not specifically like, like in interviews, I don't think she's off stage being like, okay, what does Selena say that I'm going to copy? But I think right. she logs it in her little head bank. Oh, totally. And then she like, yeah. Here's what I think it is. I think it's like a subconscious thing that she's doing to win favor, like to win Justin's favor because she, she's been, she was a fan. Like yes. she was, she was us. She was one of those crazed fangirlies that grew up listening to Justin Bieber, was obsessed with him, would always with, you know, this was like a pipe dream for her. And now she's actually married to him. 
And to continue winning his favor, she just imitates behavior of someone that she knows he loves. Yeah. Yeah. My my the most convincing one to me was one that was directly comparing Selena's cooking show with Haley's cooking Her, show. I know. And I was like, was oh scary. my God. Like literally to bringing on the grandma and saying the exact same lines. The I think it was the same dish too. Come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. It's very intense. She also has the same tattoo as Selena Gomez. That's like Oh very yeah, you niche. mentioned that. That's very same. weird. Like, girl, come on now. Why are you acting like a fan? Honestly, too, <laughs> if my husband didn't even like my Instagram posts. Oh, I'd, I'd be pissed. Be, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, babe. Also, he, the fact that he has not once come out to like defend his wife. Like, also, Justin Bieber made a guest appearance. I meant to add this. He made a guest appearance at Rolling Loud in Los Angeles. And people in the audience started chanting, fuck Hailey Bieber, which is uh, not nice. Really horrible. Yeah. yeah like, don't say don't that. do that. That's so mean. You didn't do anything like wrong. Right. But people started chanting, fuck Haley Bieber. And still, this man has not said a word <laughs> in defense of his wife. Like, That's why aren't you up. defending your <laughs> wife, dude? I'm still thinking about that basketball arcade game video. <laughs> when <laughs> she's like, salty when, about that. <laughs> when she's like, ah, babe, I beat you. And he's like, I wasn't trying. <laughs> it's so he's funny. So <laughs> <laughs> like oh over an arcade game. Come on. <laughs> You know, it's that's like we keep that in. Like that's like when I lose Mario Party. That's well, how I he feel probably inside. didn't know she was recording, but it's oh. also like, why did you post that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the end of that. Ooh, you really hit them with that hefty, hefty, hefty. It was sorry. I was. This might be like the first episode where I'm talking more than you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's get to the media moment so you can talk some more. Ooh, okay. It's time for the media moment. Is you're going first. I'm going first. Yes, okay. You are. So my media moment is an album. It's called Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin. Okay. Um and I have why heard was about this Cali Uchis. Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> not, me, not me policing your media moment. Yeah, but I and thought you don't even have Kelly Uchis as your media moment either. I don't. I did think about it though, but I was so happy I when because yeah, I did think about it because Kelly Uchis dropped her new album on Friday and Ely said she listened to it. You listened to it before me and you said it was yeah. good. And I was like, yes, it another is a one. Good album. We got another one. Oh my gosh. We got another <laughs> one. I yeah. like Caliucci's. Caliucci's have... hive rise. All right. <laughs> anyway, let's talk fan. about let's talk about this album. I don't know who this is. Heroes I want to learn villains more. by Metro Boomin. You know, um, if Young Metro don't trust you, I won't shoot you. That producer tag who? is Metro Boomin. Okay, whatever. Do what? <laughs> Never mind. Um, okay, so I heard about this album because, like, I was I don't know what I was reading. Like, it was like comments about like what people have been listening to back when SZA's album first came out and everybody was like I have only been listening to SOS and Heroes and Villains and I was like oh okay wow that's cool and I like looked at it but I never listened to it and then I don't know what compelled me to listen to it like for the first time in full um 
I don't know. I think I was just like, I want to sit and listen to this to this album because I think it was just I was looking at the Hot 100 charts like when I was trying to find music for or uh, music news. I was like scrolling through the chart and I saw like a lot of the single like songs from this album were scattered and I was like, oh yeah, I wanted to listen to that album. Whatever. So I decided to listen to it in full and I actually really think you should listen to it. Oh, um, really? Because this, this album is... It's one of those albums that I think is beautiful. It's kind of like Renaissance, how it's like, it's just a, a piece that's all connected. Hmm. Um, and it's like, has a narrative throughout. And they actually pull dialogue from the boys to use Do like, they the really? first number. Mm-hmm. And the first song with John Legends. I usually, like, even if you just listen to that, like, hear how the album, like the first two songs, how they flow into each other. It's like, Oh man, it's such a powerful start to the album. It's so good. Um, yeah, I just really liked it, not for the individual songs, but just for how it flows as a project, as like as a whole. Like everything's connected, it tells a story. It's great. And I love when artists do that with an album. Um, it's just, yeah, it was good fun. What's the genre? I see all I saw a lot of like 21 Savage and weekend features. Is it like hip hop? Is what is yeah, it? I would say it's hip hop. It's like um rap RM. I would say it's more hip hop than R and B. Like it's just mostly rap artists that are featured on here, I think. Hmm. I will take a listen, especially to the first two tracks. I was gonna say at least the first two tracks, like hear how it starts, and then you're like Oh man, like I don't know. It's kind of like it really hits. You said you got you said the boys, and that got mm-hmm. me. So. I, like when I first listened to it, I was like, "Is that Homelander?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, that's all you have to say. Yeah. Well, my media moment. Not Caliucci. All right, <laughs> that's a great album. I did enjoy the album a lot. Um, but no. I had a couple things to choose from. That was one of them. I also watched that movie Smile, that horror movie oh, that came out last you? year. I feel like it started out good and then it got like really tired. And Wait, you know who literally just watched that movie this weekend? Who? I'm pretty sure it was Z-Way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, she was like it... posting about it on her Instagram story. Oh, because it's on, um, I think it's on I Hulu think. now Maybe or I'm something. Tripping. Uh, but yeah, it was... Eh. I didn't like it enough to talk about it, but Nick and I, this was Nick's idea because he saw this on TikTok apparently. Nick and I watched a movie on Saturday night. It's a Lifetime movie. A (laughs) Lifetime movie? It's a Lifetime movie called Single Black Female. Oh no. That came out last year. And this is a remake of Single White Female, which is a thriller from the 90s. Um. And the archetype of the story is just like our protagonist is a successful slash like chasing greater success woman. Um, She's single and everything's going right. And then another woman enters the picture and she's got some screws loose. And I I haven't seen the original film, but in this film, uh, the woman that comes in is... uh, the new assistant and that's how she gets close to raven goodwin's character and it gets a little too close and starts mimicking oh. look behavior <gasps> and basically it's a story of like she wants to like to have her life and it's like an obsession kind of trope obsession yeah like like not properly handling mental health type of thing yeah mm, i kind of like those um, thrillers 
Yeah, so the reason why we watch this is because Amber Riley is the antagonist <laughs> of this. Movie. Oh my god, you're kidding. Amber Riley of Glee fame. Uh it is Hilarious. so funny. So I I mentioned and Raven Goodwin is the she's like a morning show anchor and Amber Riley is her new assistant. Um and <laughs> So Amber Riley, she the first time we see her, she's wearing an outfit that would not be unlike something she would wear on Glee with like a jean jacket and this ugly little hat. Oh no. And she's like, oh hi, my name's Simone. And she starts, you know, becoming oh. assistant. And then, like I said, she starts mimicking Raven Goodwin's look. And then there is a there's one particular scene about like two-thirds of the way through where Amber Riley walks into the room and she's like become Raven Goodwin. And I was like, Amber, serve it the house down with her <laughs> psychotic couture, like whatever's going on. Her hair was like, serve and, and the, the dress, down. she was here to play. And there's another scene where she corners Raven Goodwin's love interest in the elevator and literally grabs him by the balls and is like, yeah, it it is, it is schlock. It is what you would expect wow. from a Lifetime movie. Horribly budgeted. <laughs> Pretty much horrible. The thing is, it's, it's like horribly acted, but Amber Riley at least knows that it's campy. Mm-hmm. Like Amber Riley is here for the camp. Raven Goodwin is playing it way too straight, but Amber oh. Riley's like, hey, I know what's being called on me from this Wait, script. What is that movie with Beyonce? Is Obsessed. it actually called Obsessed? Yeah. I, I was going to say, is it like that? I feel like that's kind of okay, campy too. You know that that's my favorite bad movie. I love that movie, you guys. <laughs> If you have not seen Obsessed, oh my God, if you have not seen Obsessed, it stars Beyonce fucking Knowles when she was still trying to act. Came out and Idris Elba. And Idris Elba, they're a married couple and everything's hunky-dory. They just moved into a, new, into a new house. They have a baby. And then Allie Larder, you remember her? <laughs> Where's she been? Allie Larder is the new temp at Idris Elba's company. And she's, mind you, she's a white woman. And She's Beyonce and Idris yeah. Elba are a black couple. I feel like that's important yeah. to know. Yeah. This white, this crazy white lady. Yeah. So <laughs> Allie Larder comes in and she just will not take no for an answer from Idris Elba. She fucking wants him. And she's clearly, again, does not know how to handle mental health issues at all. Like the film mm-hmm. is not concerned with that, but clearly Allie Larder has some. But oh my God, you guys, that movie, it's not even like, horribly acted it is just the schlockiest thing <laughs> oh my god it's so schlock i mean beyonce can't act let's just be real beyonce in that movie well yeah no. <laughs> like, didn't i tell you not to come in my house <laughs> there's so many lines from that movie oh, I know. God. in her hotel room yeah no that's a that is a, i kind of want to watch that after this that is such a great movie but no back to single black female it is kind of like that it is kind of like that it's like a a trope almost where it's like one person is like so like intensely obsessed with the other person like uh ingrid goes west i feel like is another one of those like oh yeah stories yes oh my gosh there's another one that's very obsessed core yeah Um, this is a trope unforgettable have you heard about that I I also have that one on home video. Unforgettable (laughs) is that's Rosario Dawson and Catherine fucking Heigl. And it was, it came out in like 2017, 2017. Um, 
and it's <laughs> it was directed by oh god jeremy he's from entourage what's his fucking name jeremy he played like the agent on entourage you. Yeah. Piven, Jeremy Piven. Oh, I don't know. She was married to Jeremy Piven. So she directed it and it's called Unforgettable. And Rosario Dawson is like, um, she she's just gotten married to this white guy, and um the the white guy has a kid, and so she's becoming like the new stepmom to this kid, and she's not doing a great job of it. And Catherine Heigel is the mother of the kid, the ex-wife, and she's like the helicopter mom, and she mm. fucking hates rosario dawson and she's just convinced that rosario dawson cannot be a mother to this kid and basically she wants to take the kid back slash get her man back and will do whatever means necessary to do so um and katherine heigl is like talk about platinum fucking pressed hair in that movie yeah i'm looking at pictures there is not a single hair out of place on katherine heigl's head for that whole movie (laughs) yes what am i telling you (laughs) that is a silk press oh my god okay after this recording i'm gonna have a double feature of obsessed and unforgettable because those movies are great but yeah the single black female it has a fight at the end like obsessed does but it's like a really low budget fight that does not give obsessed as you know has an iconic girl fight at the end during the climax yeah so what i'm saying is i enjoyed it um because i love this genre of film and there needs to be more of them quite frankly it, like I yeah can't... i feel like we need a modernized obsessed core film that has a good budget and it's actually like a little scary yeah but also bad but no but i feel like being bad is a hallmark of it like it can't actually be a good movie it has to be bad (laughs) like okay netflix (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly maybe there's one i'm not familiar with but uh it seems to be like comment below if you have a favorite um obsessed core core. film because we would love to do a marathon it seems like it's like a nine-year rotation. So maybe in 2026, we'll get a, another one. Fingers crossed. Like another truly iconic one. And it has to be a one-word title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so we've got Obsessed, Unforgettable. I feel like there needs to be like a, like a, I don't know, Ooh. provoked. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the gears are turning. Yeah. But um that's my medium moment anyway we got we got off track but like i'm glad we talked about it yeah no that was good that needed to happen yeah yeah. all right so we've reached the end please be sure to come back next week because we're going to be talking about the oscars i'm nervous i'm nervous but like i said very very excited um by the way i'm not doing remember last year i did all my punny snacks what i decided i'm not doing that this year because frankly i couldn't come up with enough good puns oh my gosh you guys comment below some puns (laughs) that zach could turn into snacks so that we can hashtag bring back the snacks last year it was just relatively easy to make every best picture nominee into a pun that involves food and this year it's hard like i only came up with like four and there's 10 Mm, that is a lot it's hard and it's like some of that like I, I'm not going to make like beef tar tar for tar. I'm not doing that. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I'm, or I'm not making anything with tartar sauce. Like, come on. What what else am I supposed to do? Yeah. So, okay. Well, maybe we can make it like a potluck. We could. 
And also I was talking something. to I was talking to Jamie earlier today about the little Oscars get together. And I was like, because I also was thinking about making black everything bagels for everything everywhere. Right. Turns out to have dyed bread, you basically have to make the bread from scratch. You can't just dye it because you can't get bread wet, obviously. I was gonna say, how would you do that? <laughs> exactly. And and of course, bagel is like that's the hardest form of bread to that's make. So tough. that idea yeah. went up the window. You have Jamie, to make bagels from scratch, which I yeah, know make, you won't do. No. And Jamie suggested that make hot dogs, like the hot dog fingers, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I'm surprised you didn't think to do that. Or like the little cocktail weenies. Do people <gasps> eat those? Cute. Yeah. I'll, like I'll do some noodling. Uh, there's been lots going on, like mentally, of course, but uh, oh, I'll think about I'm it. Sorry. No, I mean, like, I meant like, I, I wanted to say because the house searching, but I thought you'd make fun of me again. So <laughs> I'm telling you, we've been devoted. I would say like not including tours. It's literally like no, two, it's a lot. three hours a I day. Mean, even apartment hunting is, is a lot. I'm honestly, yeah, it's a lot finding a place to live. It's the hard. thing. The thing with apartments though, is it's, it's like, especially in DC, they're all kind of the same, you know, like they all are like yeah. in apartment community. And also with these buildings, like they're not necessarily competitive because a lot of them have multiple units. There's a bunch of different types. True. It's a lot less competitive. Yeah. With these like unique properties, if you like them, you just got to be like on it and it's annoying. But um, yeah. I just, no. I, I got word of a open house right before we started recording. So we're going to oh, that fun. on Sunday wow and hopefully we'll hear back from other places yeah fingers crossed did i tell you we made a spreadsheet oh goodness gracious it's called house hunters gay renters edition all right <laughs> <laughs> nick made it and it's actually super helpful well i'm glad yeah anyway i don't want to talk about houses anymore okay i want to talk about how we're going to say bye and we'll be back. We're going to say, have a good night. Yeah. Ah. Have a good night. Goodbye. Ah.